either you are going through a painful time or you have just come out of a painful time or you are about to enter a painful time in your life. Carl Sandburg reflected this this way. He said, life is like an onion. You peel off a layer and sometimes you cry. Is there any possible redemptive value in the pain that we each have to encounter? Could it be that these difficult moments in life serve a purpose and are working into a larger mosaic? Can good come from pain? With keen insight, A.W. Tozer observed, God never wastes a hurt. And we each can learn to to focus not on our personal tragedy, but to see the good that has emerged from our pain. And we each will determine whether our adversity will make us bitter or better. God never wastes our hurt. Today in our our message time, I, I would like to have a conversation with you. I wish time would permit me to sit down with each of you individually so you could share how God has worked good from your pain. And sharing together uh, in this setting can be the next best thing to that. So would you imagine I'm sitting at your kitchen table and I'm going to share how God has worked in my life and in the lives of others who are connected to BCC to bring good from pain. Author Bob Benson tells of a time when he was talking to a friend who had recently recovered from a heart attack. Benson asked, David, are you thankful for your heart attack? His friend responded, are you kidding? It's the worst thing I've ever been through. Then Benson asked, does life seem more precious to you now? Yes, came the reply. Benson continued, are you closer to your friends and family? Is your relationship with God more meaningful? And each time his friend Dave responded, yes, yes. And so Benson closed the way he began. So tell me, Dave, are you thankful for your heart attack? And the response came, I guess I am. Although we are not thankful to be going through a painful time, we can be thankful that God has the ability to bring good even out of the darkest valleys that we experience. My favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that everything that happens in life is good. It says that God can work good from the bad. I think another classic passage that that speaks to our pain is is James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 which remind us consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of, of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything Philip Yancey observed, pain is not God's great goof. The sensation of pain is a gift, the gift that nobody wants. He said, more than anything, pain should be viewed 
as a communication network. And suffering can communicate a lot to us. It can teach us much. It can draw us closer to the Lord. The, the Bible is clear that there are beneficial byproducts to the pain in life in this fallen world where God never wastes a hurt. Uh, I want to look at the life of, of Joseph this morning. And Chad referenced him in that, that list. Do you remember Joseph in the, the book of Genesis? He's my favorite individual in, in the Old Testament. And his story reads like a, a made-for-TV movie. Joseph was the, the son of Jacob, and his father had shown favoritism toward him. He was his favorite son. He, he singled him out, and this really alienated Joseph from his brothers. It created a lot of hurt in the family, a lot of ill will. One day they were out herding their flocks, and they staged Joseph's death and then actually sold him to some slave traders who were en route to Egypt. There in Egypt, Joseph was sold on the auction block as a slave. And the Bible says for the next 22 years, his life was full of painful twists and turns. Abandoned by his jealous brothers, he, he served in obscurity as a slave. His employer's wife, unable to seduce him, falsely accused him of assault, and then he was wrongfully imprisoned. And this injustice continued for years as he remained faithful to God, determining to do what was right in God's sight despite the inequities. And through a series of providential twists and turns, Joseph, this immigrant slave inmate, rose to being the second in command and in power over all of Egypt. When a famine struck back in his homeland of Israel, his brothers, who had previously sold him into slavery, now had to go to Egypt to buy provisions to sustain the lives of their families. While they were there, Joseph identified himself as the younger brother that they had sold 22 years earlier. And now his brothers feared that Joseph would seek revenge. Now he has the power to take our lives. He can get even. We're going to pay for what we did. And I want you to hear what Joseph told them in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph didn't deny the pain, but he forgave his offenders, and he gleaned the good from the pain. You intended this for evil. You were out to hurt me, to harm me, but God has used it for good, and it's accomplished his larger purpose, and it's been the, the salvation of many lives who would otherwise have starved to death. So that's the story of Joseph taking the good and taking it out of the pain and the bad. And good from pain examples come out of each of our lives. May, may I share an experience in my life when I was younger? We were returning from a, a vacation at the Wisconsin Dells. Our car was traveling in a downpour on a two-lane highway outside of Bloomington, Illinois. When the oncoming driver lost control of his car, he, he hit standing water, 
and he swerved into our lane, causing a head-on collision. I was eight years old, and this traumatic event caused me to grow up quickly. But my brother and I were not seriously injured. My dad's head had hit the steering wheel, shattering his glasses and depositing 22 microscopic splinters of glass in his eyes. And the glass had to surgically be removed. My mother's injuries were the worst. Vomiting and hemorrhaging accompanied her condition where she had a severe skull fracture. And while we waited in that downpour for the ambulances to arrive, I began to pray aloud, begging God to spare my mother's life. And I agonized with God. My mom would say later, I'm so glad that I taught Jeff to pray. And parents, teach your children to pray. It could save your life, and it can save their souls. Ironically, the family in the car that hit us was also named Stone, and the father was a doctor. We learned later that after working unsuccessfully to revive his son, who had been thrown from their car, he told his wife that he was going over to try to assist the family in the other car, our family. And she pleaded, you have to help Danny. He told her, Danny is dead. I've got to try to help those people. Nearly 500 miles from home, in a strange town, before our family could arrive, a a kind ER nurse with a British accent took my brother and me home to stay with her and her husband that first night. I remember she made hamburgers. I remember getting to take her little dog for a walk. And outside, I looked up following that rain, and there was a rainbow in the sky. And I found comfort in that, knowing that God was in control. The wreck occurred on a Wednesday, and the news spread quickly that the minister's family from the Western Hills Church of Christ in Cincinnati had been in a serious car accident. And prayers went up from hundreds of Christians in their Wednesday night prayer meetings all across the land. Mike Nakoff was a member there at Western Hills and and was praying for our family during that difficult time. Some 40 years later, when I I moved to Bright, I I first met Jesse Smith, relative of of Tony Cleary, and he introduced himself and gave me that warm smile and that firm handshake. And the first words out of his mouth were, I prayed for Gwen Stone when your family had that bad wreck years ago. God spared my mother's life four decades earlier, and I was grateful for Jesse's prayers. After my mom was released from the ICU, she spent a few more weeks in the hospital in Illinois before being strong enough to return home. In order to provide her with the quiet she needed to recuperate, for years after the accident, she would need to take a nap in the afternoon. And in order to keep things quiet with uh, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old son, my dad would divide and conquer and take one of us calling with him while the other stayed, stayed home. And so we began to do the work of the church at an early age. At, at age eight, I began a ministry internship uh, with one of the finest ministers ever. And those experiences, meeting people, offering support to the hurting, studying with people who were considering becoming Christians, 
all helped to prepare me for entering the ministry. Having faced pain at an early age prompted me to grow up quickly, and it shaped me to be a more compassionate person than I would have been otherwise. God used that defining moment of hardship to call me and my brother into the ministry. So thanks for permitting me to share part of my story. I hope you receive our weekly email update that we send out to communicate, the midweek update. If not, as Justin said earlier, please give us your email address today on your connection card. And this week I asked if you would write back and permit me to tell of some of the good that has come from the pain you've experienced. And the following responses came from members and friends who follow our services online and those who receive our our e-newsletter. So here's some excerpts from the responses that I got back. They remind us that even when you can't trace his plan, you can trust his heart. Betty Jo wrote, I wasn't in pain, just a little paralyzed. She said, November 17th at 9.30, I was in the ER at Dearborn County Hospital, and I didn't have full control of my left arm, and I was not walking just right. I made the decision to be transferred to University Hospital, and they were full. I decided to wait. I could only stay in the ER for 24 hours. At 3 a.m. on the 18th, a bed opened up on the heart floor, and I was on my way to UC Hospital. I prayed all the way there for a bed to open up. I knew he would help me if need be. The people there were great. God is good. I recovered quickly. Pat wrote, when I was a young girl, I loved to ice skate. My brother and I would go to the local ice rink at least once a week. And during one of those visits, I was attempting a twirl and I fell flat on my back. And after nearly a year of pain and chiropractic visits, my parents took me to an orthopedic doctor who took x-rays. And we discovered that this whole time I'd had two vertebrae in my lower back that were fractured. I was placed on a narcotic for pain, put in a back brace. I attempted to go to school, but the pain grew worse and surgery was the only option. While in the hospital, I met a loving, caring nurse Through the pain I suffered and her tender care, I learned compassion. Compassion, which led me to enter a career in nursing so I could help others in their suffering. Jeff, I didn't know God yet, but I praise him for nudging me along my path. Lee wrote, several years ago after I lost my husband, Dennis, I was attending a Bible study at BCC. I was not feeling well and Debbie Anna, Anna Walt took me to the hospital at, at Good Sam in Cincinnati and for my doctor. That surgery was performed at midnight, MRSA. A couple of days later during the night with an angel sitting by my bed, I, I had a near-death encounter where I was floating up. I, I remember thinking, I am dying. And it was so peaceful, a peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4.7. Several days later, after leaving the hospital, my doctor said, Lee, you don't know how close you came to meeting your maker. I said, oh, yes, I do. Connie wrote, 
I was born nearly 70 years ago with a disability and a lot to overcome early in my life. I, I always felt like this gave me an extra dose of determination that carried me through a lot of obstacles. I also had a strong faith from a young age. It helped me through a lot of trials, but nothing prepared me for the very lowest time of my life and the grief that I was to encounter. In 2015, I lost my dear Rusty, my husband of 32 years, and the love of my life. That same year, I lost my mom, and then an aunt, an uncle, my mother-in-law the following year, and then I lost my dear daddy and another aunt and uncle to COVID. That was eight people in, in four years of time. My family meant the world to me, and to say I was at my lowest was an understatement. I struggled to work and even to sleep. I smiled, but I did not mean it. I, I couldn't pray or even sing to God, which I loved to do. This time, I, I got a card from a friend, like many other sympathy cards I received, but this one had a, a Bible verse on it inside. It was Jeremiah 31, 13, which says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. I wanted to believe that, but I was never so far from joy or rejoicing in my life. So I cut the verse out, and I put it on my vanity where I would see it every day. But no real change happened. I, I would read it out loud and nothing. So after some time, I started praying. I, I would pray to help make that verse become real to me. And I was still going through a rough time, just trying to, to help faith with her grief and I went to a grief share support group, but I was still so sad and empty, but I did not give up. I kept saying that prayer every day, and I read that verse on my vanity. And overall, it took years, but little by little, faith started doing better, and we were able to move to our present home, which were steps in a positive direction, like a new beginning. And before long, I was able to sing again and smile, and mean it. Yes, in his time, I was able to trade my mourning for joy and my sorrow for rejoicing. I am living proof that God can bring you through pain if we trust and believe that he will do so. Jen wrote, my hardship came in the form of a, a medical illness. I was diagnosed in June 2004 with a rare brain condition where the hind part of the brain, the cerebellum, herniates into the spinal canal in, in the neck. And a lot has happened, and I had a lot, a lot of multiple sclerosis-like symptoms. I, I had an emergency back surgery in January of 2002 that helped decrease the pain briefly, but my health went very south again. I was back on disability that March of 2003, and nothing has been the same since. June of 2004, I woke up one morning, and I could not feel my arms and legs. They were heavy and weak, and I had severe pain in my arms and legs at the same time with numbness and weakness. On October of 2004, I had my first brain and neck surgery. In August of 2006, I had the second revision brain and neck surgery. I, I still today cannot describe the pain after those surgeries. I lost my disability income in December of 2005, 
my social security was denied and I moved back home with my folks and, and came from Indianapolis uh, in June of 2006. I currently cannot get the care or treatment that I need on Medicaid or find a doctor that wants to take a patient on pain meds. The depression that comes from the nerve pain is extremely difficult to manage and endure. The only reason I'm still here and why I keep fighting is God, my faith, the hope he promises, family and friends. Without God and my faith, this illness and life are impossible. Here are the big lessons I've learned. These are the benefits I've gained from this experience. To praise God even in the valleys of life. To pray or cry out when praying seems impossible. To just stand and put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6. I've learned that I'm a child of God created by him and with gifts and talents that he can use to serve and bless others as well. I've discovered that life is precious. I've learned to listen well and be slow to speak. You cannot always take back your thoughts or your words. I've learned to rest in the arms or the shadow of the Almighty. To stay focused on God. My hardship, my story can be used to bless God and, and to bless others. God bless. Jen. Mike wrote, Mary and I had a blessed, Jesus-centered marriage. Not only was she my bride and gift from the Lord, she was my best friend, soulmate, and so many other things. I had a, a thriving electrical contracting business that the Lord started and ran, and I always told folks that it was his business, I just worked there. And we already had plans for the future that was coming. I was going to pass on the business and then go to work for a large engineering firm. That way Mary and I could travel the country doing job site inspections and we would be together and, and see more of God's majesty and creation. We served together at church. We worshiped together with our children and grandchildren. We thought for sure that this was the Lord's plan for our lives for the next 10 years, but how wrong we were. In March of 2015, we were sitting in the cancer doctor's office after a large number of tests and scans and exams and the doctor told us that Mary had a rare bone marrow disease called myelofibrosis, and the only cure was a risky bone marrow transplant. My whole world changed in that moment. I could not stop weeping. I stopped working and became Mary's full-time caregiver. I look back, and I'm so thankful that I did that. We spent every single hour of every single day together. Mary went home to be with the Lord on Christmas Eve. She was 59 years old. The mental and physical pain were unbearable. I was angry and thought for sure that God was punishing me for some past sin, but I couldn't figure out why this. I wandered aimlessly for the next year and or so before I could even function in what was my new unwanted normal. I decided that I would start running my business again, which I had stopped when Mary got sick, and surely this would be what the Lord would want me to do, and again, be his plan for my life, but wrong again. I came down with my own disease, osteomyelitis, an infection that was in my spine that had already started to go septic, 
it had moved into my hips, and the doctors say I was probably 24 hours away from dying, which at that time would have been perfectly fine with me. That again changed all of my simple plans that I had. It's a crippling disease. I could not walk, drive, or leave the house for four months while I took daily antibiotics and I, that I gave myself through my pick line. I also could not work any longer because the pain on a scale of 1 to 10 was a 12. It left me partially disabled at the time. And while all this was going on, I came to realize that my daughter's marriage was horrible, maybe a bit abusive, and that my grandchildren were struggling with it, especially my nine-year-old grandson. By this time, the Lord had showed me that, in fact, he did love me. He had his own plans for me in my life. And so I started focusing and being there always for both my grandkids, especially my grandson and my daughter. My grandson had so much anxiety that he had to be hospitalized. I started filling their minds with scripture and his truths. I did not realize it at the time, but it was also ministering to me as well. It's funny how the Lord works out these things that way. When my grandson turned 13, all he spoke about was taking his life, running away, how he hated God and his parents. And I was the only constant in his life that he could count on. I always told him that what he saw in me was the Holy Spirit, not me, and that Jesus was my one constant companion, and that he had my right hand and would never let me go. And he would do the same for him as well. I did get the privilege to baptize my grandson in front of our large church congregation, which the Lord provided the courage for me to do that. God also started using me with other folks praying for their prayer requests, assisting them with financial needs, sharing scriptures, and doing things for them as he led me to do them. I always ask people when we're talking, how can I pray for you? I feel it's a blessing to pray for others. If I had not gone through all these trials and experienced life-changing pain, I truly believe my daughter would be divorced, my grandson would either be dead or, or who knows what. But my faith increased a hundredfold. And then he cites James 1, 2 through 5, that passage we looked at earlier. I continue to always give thanks that he has provided me with the ways and means to be able to help others. And when they thank me, I... I point to heaven and say, don't thank me, thank him. I am settled now in my life, but I look forward to the day when I can face-to-face -face see Jesus and be with my Mary again, according to his plan and his timing. And then he put Romans 8, 28, another verse we looked at earlier. P.S. The Lord healed my daughter and son-in-law's marriage and, and healed my family by using me in a mighty way. I even mentored my son-in-law. He asked me to show him how to be a better husband and father. And again, I pointed him to God's word and truth. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my everything now. And I'm always ready when the Holy Spirit whispers to me that that person might need prayer, help. And you should reach out to them. Thank you, Lord. C.S. Lewis observed, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts to us in our pain. I don't know about you, but I, I hear God a lot more clearly 
when I'm going through a difficult time than when I'm sailing along and, and life is great. He, he shouts to us in our pain. And these testimonies are from people who experienced a variety of pains, but they continued in every case to lean on the Lord. They found him to be faithful. They found him to provide delivery in his time. Not always in our timing, but in his time. I love the King James Version of Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in his time. When Johnny Erickson Tata was 16, she became a victim of a serious diving accident, which left her a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. And Johnny is respected as a Christian author. She's a gifted artist who paints beautiful paintings with a paintbrush clenched in her teeth. And she concluded this, I would rather be in this wheelchair and know Jesus than not to be in this wheelchair and not know Jesus. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Would you stand? Would you pray with me? Dear God, your son has promised, never will I leave you or forsake you. Maybe be reminded today of your steady faithfulness, even during difficult, painful times. May our focus turn always to you. And may we see these as moments of, of growth into conformity with your image. It's our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.